invited healing for us. That it is a finished work of the cross. And we are so grateful to you for the wonderful, lavish inheritance that you have given to each one of us as your sons and your daughters. Priests and kings to rule and to reign with you. Father, most importantly, thank you for you and for your presence among us as we gather and in us individually. Amen. I fully intended this morning to continue on our message of faith. Um, But I sense an impression from the Lord just a few moments ago um, to talk about fatherhood for just a minute. Um, I know most of you know uh, my father passed away Friday at 91 years old. Yes, amen. He outlived all of his family members. Nobody ever made it into their 90s in his his immediate family. He has been wondering for the last few years why he's still here. And he passed exactly like he wanted to. He, uh, he told me in my last conversation, he said, I don't want any more, no more medical stuff. I'm, I'm very, very tired. I'm going to take advantage of it, and I'm just going to go to sleep. And I said, I don't blame you. And so we had our last conversation and told each other we loved each other. And that was it. And um, he told his my stepmother, his wife, he was in the hospital, and they wanted he wanted to go home, and they brought him home. And he said, "Now don't spend any money, don't get a hospital bed, don't do all these arrangements." He said, "Because I'm not going to be here more than two days." And he died two days later. And my sisters, two sisters of mine, were there, and they both said it was the most peaceful thing they ever saw. His little dog licked his hand, and he breathed his last. And then I said, I'm going to put my order in because I want to go just like that. But I want to speak a little bit about fatherhood. Years ago, I used to talk about fatherhood a lot. It was one of my main uh, messages. Because that's really who God is. He's our, he's our dad. And as you know, as you're fully aware, the enemy has attacked fatherhood and is trying to just obliterate it and we have a lot of kids maybe you're one of them that grew up without a biological father maybe you never even knew yours through adoption or whatever but that's the greatest thing about becoming born again and a child of God because there's no daddy like him There's none. Some children, sad, heartbreaking to say, have grown up with an abusive father. Physically, emotionally, and even sexually. The things that have been done to children or some things are just from the pit of hell. And the enemy knows that if you can destroy fatherhood with a child, 
you have an advantage of destroying, ever seeing God as a dad. And it's easy to see him if you've been, had a horrible relationship with your biological father or haven't had one. It's easy to see God as God, but not as daddy. And that takes a work of the Spirit sometimes in people's lives to cross over from just seeing him as Lord and daddy and the great God in the sky is to be in somebody that's intimate and personal. And that's really God's heart. He wants to be intimate and personal. And we talk about that a lot here because that's his desire. And he wants to have that kind of relationship with every human being. And he wants to extend his forgiveness. And so I'm just going to share a little bit of my childhood with my dad and some of the things the Lord did in my heart to bring healing. Because I I didn't always have a good relationship with my father. We lived in New York and my parents were divorced when I was 12 years old. But I didn't even know they were getting a divorce because... Me and my younger sister and my older sister was already married at that time with a child. We were just left New York and came to Missouri under the pretense we were just coming to visit my grandparents here. I didn't know my parents were getting a divorce. I found out on the Pennsylvania Turnpike on the way here. So I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my dad or talk anything or nothing. And then I started smoking pot when I was 12. And that just progressed into more and more dangerous drugs. Until when I was 20 and doing cocaine and some stronger stuff and dealing. Because it put me in a tailspin. Like it does a lot of kids. My story is really no different than a lot of people. And if you've had a great relationship with your dad, oh, be thankful. Be very, very thankful. And so from 12 to about 16, I had no relationship with my dad. And there were a lot of ugly things that went on. And even some blame for us, for me, for the divorce. And the reason is my dad had an affair and got the girl pregnant. And then ended up marrying her, and they've been married ever since. Then once I understood that years later, I couldn't understand why my mom wanted to divorce him. But there was a a strain in my dad and I's relationship for those four years until I was about 16. And then I left here uh, once he and I started talking, and I moved out there, and I lived with him for my sophomore year in high school and halfway through my junior year. Then I moved back here. I came here actually just to visit my mom for Christmas. I wasn't intending to move, but I discovered I can get away with a lot more things with living with my mom than I could with my dad. So I stayed, and I'm really thankful I did because within weeks after Christmas, I got to meet Renee. And we met in high school here at William Chrisman. And then Renee and I were together about three years or so. We lived together for about three years or so. And um, I went out to my, my dad's to see him for Christmas. 
we, Renee and I broke up. I broke up with her. And I went out there. While I was out there, some Jehovah's Witnesses came to the door. And some of you have heard this story. And they had the Watchtower magazine. And I, I just knew they were religious weirdos, right? Because to me, everybody was a religious weirdo that went to church or... It didn't matter. I didn't know any difference between denominations. And I'd grown up Catholic. That's my dad. My, my grandparents came from Lebanon, and they were staunch Catholics. And my dad, has, he was not born there. He was born in this country. But uh, that, the Nicolas are all very, very strong Catholics, and that's how I grew up. But I didn't know anything but, you know, Joseph and Mary and Jesus. I heard the stories, you know. But I didn't know anything. So they had this, the coolest little magazine, this watchtower. But in what attracted my attention was this mushroom cloud of a nuclear explosion on the front cover. And uh, they were selling it. And I, I can't remember at the time. I gave them more. I didn't have the change. And I gave them more than what, what they were asking for. And uh, I started to shut the door. I just basically wanted them to leave. And they said, no, let me give you a change. I said, no, I don't want any change. Just go on. And. And they said, well, if you won't take change, and he, this, the guy pulled out this little green book, and he said, well, let me give you this. And the only thing that said on the front of it was two words, family living or family life, something like that. We need to look for that book. I have not seen that book in years. There's a little green book, and so it took me all of about four or five minutes to go through the magazine because I was not a reader back then. It's just pictures. All right, I want to see some more explosions. Okay, that's done. And uh, so I started reading this book, which was just so beyond my, you know, because I wasn't a reader. I just, I didn't like to read. I wasn't a good reader. I didn't comprehend very well. But at night, and I hid it from my dad. I didn't want my dad to see it. And so at night when I laid down, I began reading this little book from the Jehovah's Witnesses. And all it really talked about was God's design for families. Mom, dad, what a family's supposed to be. And I found my heart just, oh, I want that. I never had that. I had it when I was very young, but from 12 on, we didn't have that. It was, our family was just blown up. And I found myself drawn, I just wanted that. I don't remember how many evenings. I don't even remember now if I even finished the book or how many evenings I read that book. But one evening, I had the strangest encounter. And I can, I can talk about it in, you know, Christian terms today. But back then, I had no idea what was really happening. And all of a sudden, and I was all by myself. Nobody was there. Nobody led me in any kind of prayer. I was just reading this book, finding my heart being drawn. I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit was drawing me. And I was like yearning for this family life, this family unit that God had created. And all of a sudden, I felt like God just scooped with his two big hands, scooped me up off the bed and held me in his arms like this, cradled me. That's how it felt. Like he held me like a baby. And was, you know how parents, they hold and they're just looking down. That's, how, that's exactly how it felt. And, and in, at that time, I felt loved like I have never felt loved before. 
Now, remember, you know, I was doing cocaine, had it on me. You know, first I'm like, am I having a flashback? What is this? I had no reference for God in any kind of a situation like this. But I just knew, I just had this encounter of this love that was incredible. The most incredible feeling I'd ever had. And I know a lot of you have sensed that. And when you do, it's like you don't want that to go away. Because, see, now I know. I didn't then. That's what I was created for, that love. And that's what families are created to give to their kids, but it doesn't turn out that way a lot. And parents are human, and they do make mistakes, and, they're, you know, they're, and it's okay. And before we go any further in this discussion here, I don't want any of you as parents or grandparents to feel condemned in any way. Not uh, any way. You know why? Because you could have been the most perfect parent and done everything right. How many of you think God's that way? He's perfect, isn't he? Is there anything he does wrong with us? Like he just made a mistake? No. Well, his first two kids made a horrible mistake. Because they had free will and made a choice and it wasn't God's fault. He's the most perfect parent. So even if you were the most perfect, kids have make their own choices. You're in charge, but you're not in control of every decision they make. Even when they're living in your roof, under your roof. So don't feel condemned whatsoever. Because this story is going to end beautifully, I promise you. So I had this sense, and at this, this moment, now I was 20, 20 years old. I was kicked out of high school halfway right after I met Renee. I mean, right after I met Renee. I was kicked out of high school uh, in January of my junior year, and I, I never returned. I never finished high school. I ended up getting my GED, going to the military, all this. So, but in that moment, so I, I said that to say I was adrift. Like my whole teenage years from 12 on, I just went wherever the wind blew. Like I, you know, like a lot of kids do today. Sadly, some people I went to high school with, I think they're still doing it at 60 years old. And so I had no direction really in life. Uh, you know, there was a time before, you know, uh, before this, my dad called me. Um, I was 17. We had moved out, living together. And I lost my job because I was working for my stepdad. And when I wouldn't go to school, he, kicked, he fired me. My stepdad had a cabinet shop right here at, at Nolan and Walnut, right on the corner. And I worked there for a few years. Queen's Cabinets, if anybody remembers that. And um, I made pretty good money for back there in the early 80s. So I just thought, you know, I'll just go to work. I don't need school. <laughs> well, that didn't work out because I got immediately, I got fired. And so I, uh, I just was dealing drugs for money. And my dad called me. He didn't know this. He's living in New York. And he said, Joe, what are you doing with your life? Um, not much. He said, you always loved motorcycles. Your brother loves cars. And my, he sent my brother to a automotive training. And my brother's still building race engines now at 66 years old. He said, you've always loved motorcycles. He said, how about I help you go to motorcycle training and become a mechanic? I said, that's a great idea. That's awesome. And that's what we did. We ended up moving to live with him for a little bit, made money, 
went to Daytona Beach, lived there for a summer, went back to New York. We went, came back here, broke up with her. I'm in New York. I'm being held like a baby. And immediately when I was being loved, it just dropped. I said all that because I was, I was just, I, I, my whole teen years, I was basically disoriented and adrift. You know, oh, that sounds great. I'll do that. But I knew for the very first time in my life what I was supposed to do. In the moment, I was being held like a baby. And this has everything to do with faith. So I guess it is part of the faith message. Three things came to me. Now, I know now, I didn't know then, God was speaking to me. But I didn't know that then. I'm just having an encounter and this experience. And I have no words for the encounter or experience. Don't know how to tell somebody what's happening. And it was just dropped in my spirit. Go back to Missouri. Ask Renee to marry you. And get a job. Pause. Faith is not knowing what to do and speaking those things out of your mouth. That is not faith. Faith is doing what he just told you me to do. Not confessing it. I'm moving back to Missouri. I'm moving back. I'm going to ask Renee to marry him. And just start in this whole journey. That's not faith. Faith is obedience. Now, I, I had no idea what faith was. You gotta, I, I want to keep saying that. I'm like, I have no grid for what's happening to explain it. I can do it today. Couldn't do it then. Didn't even know the word faith. Like, somebody can say faith. I wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Changed my plot flight to move, go back to Missouri as quick as I could. Renee didn't want anything to do with me. So I couldn't talk to her. So I called my sister. I said, you've got to get Renee to the airport. I've got to talk to her as soon as I get there. And that's, that's what happened. And I've got to do this. Like, I, I show up. How many of you miss the old airport, by the way? You've been to the new airport? I so miss the old airport. The first time I went to the new airport, I'm like, where am I? Am I in a different city? Like, this is... Anyway. So it was the old airport. I get off the plane, and this is so nice getting off the plane and making a few steps and you're outdoors, you know. I got off the plane, I look down the hall, and here comes my sister and Renee, and Renee's like. <laughs> oh, yeah, looks good kill. I'm like, oh. But I was like, she's actually here. So she was renting a duplex over off of Sterling and Sugar Creek, and um, we went to my mom's house. I dropped off my luggage, and I said, hi, Mom, and hi to my stepdad, and I said, i got to go. And we went to her house, and I told her what happened to me, and I proposed to her, and she said she needed to fast and pray for at least 60 days. No, she didn't. She said yes. She said yes, and um, she did right on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting ready to say no, and the Lord said, say yes. So it went, yes. <laughs> but from my perspective, it was just a yes. It might have been yes 
sir or yes, Lord or something. I can't remember. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So she said yes, and um, from there I went and looked for a job and got one. But that's what faith is. Faith just responds to what God is saying. It's, it's not about confessing it. I mean, you could confess it if you want to, but that's not faith. Faith is doing what God said. Now, I didn't know that. Here's something I want to add here. When, what, what God desires from all people is for all to repent and come to Him. But that's not it. That's, not the, that's just the initiation to be born again and born into His family as sons and daughters of God and then have koinonia, intimacy, where now I have a personal closeness and intimacy with the Lord. And mine might be different than yours. Just like my brother had a different relationship with my dad than I did. And my sisters, we have, but there's still a relationship with them. But there's differences because we're all unique. And that's, that's what God really desires. And from there, because of that love. See, my first experience or encounter with God was not sitting in a service being told I'm going to hell if I don't pray and, re- and accept Him. I was not scared into the kingdom. I was loved into it. And that's why I don't preach scared into. Because that's my experience. And, I, and it, it's deeper and it goes a lot more. And Jesus didn't preach scared into. He preached loved into. Accepted into. <clears throat> because when you're scared into it, you can still come that way, but then you, you're going to have some things you've got to work through. You know, to come into that place of intimacy. So I was loved like, and I'll tell you, I don't know how anybody can resist that kind of love. I don't even know how you can do it. When you're loved like that, I I don't know how you can say, oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's just the most amazing. And I knew something was different, like immediately, like, oh, my gosh, I know what I'm supposed to do. That was like, and, and colors were brighter. You know what I'm saying? And I could breathe easier. And it was. But I was still, you know, I had cocaine on me. I, I didn't know what all what was happening, and so I did everything God said to do. And and then we uh, that was 1984, January of 1984. I proposed to Renee, and uh, we were married that June, in uh, June 2nd, 1984. And I went into the military in September on my 21st birthday. Don't ever do that. Don't ever get born again, get married, and go in the military all in the same year. Not a good way to do it, but that's that was my journey. I exactly. Well, if you're you're counseling somebody, <laughs> so we uh, we announced we're getting married, and uh, something happened with my dad and I in the process of Renee and I getting married, and uh, he got pretty upset with me. And he wouldn't talk to me. And uh, he didn't come to the wedding. Now, I had been born again, so the hurt, yeah, it hurt a little bit. But it wasn't like it would have prior to being born again. Because I basically had the attitude there, if he doesn't want to come, that's his choice. He's the one that's losing, not me. I'm getting married. And so we went through a period of time, so I don't really, a time, I don't really remember how long that there was no communication. 
And uh, my stepmom, we I had conversations with her, and because um, I what I chose not to do was to be offended. I chose not to be offended, and I chose to continue to reach out to him. And Renee and I had many discussions. If I have to act like the parent, I'll act like the parent. Because I want a relationship with him, regardless. And my stepmom called me one day, and um, after a period of time of trying, and then she stepped in and helped, and we got reconciled. But she asked me this question. Now, none of my family there are born again. Okay, So when you're explaining spiritual things to people that aren't born again, it's clumsy, right? She said, Joe, why do you keep trying so much? Why do you love your dad so much and you keep trying? You, you, you haven't stopped trying to reach out to him. Now, I'm not saying this to brag on me at all. I'm, just, what I'm bragging on God because he did a deep work in my heart with all of this. Because I don't preach things that God first hasn't worked in me. That's why there's some things I don't preach because I don't have the depth of experiential wisdom and, and revelation on. And, and it's one reason why I talked, especially early on when we started here, I talked about fatherhood and God. as death. I mean, that was like my main thing. Even when we traveled internationally, I spoke on it. And it's amazing what God does in that message and how so many kids get healed and young people get set free for the, for the love of the Father. And, uh, and I, so I'm trying to explain a spiritual thing to somebody that doesn't have a grid for it. And, I, and somewhere in this process early on, the deep work God did in my heart, it switched. And this is what I mean by that. It was almost like a light switch, but it was very profound. From that moment, years ago, I have always seen my Heavenly Father as my dad. Always. Still do today. It's grown. And then I saw my, my biological father as a human being that needed the Lord. He's my biological father, and I'm going to honor him. But he is in desperate need of God. It wasn't my authority figure in any kind of an abuse or an offense. You understand what I'm saying? And, and that's something you can't do on your own. But if you allow the Lord to do it, He can do it with anybody in any relationship, whether it's an ex-spouse or a child. It doesn't matter. And so I'm trying to explain that to her and, and saying, yes, He's my dad. He's my biological. He gave birth to me. But... I view my Heavenly Father now as my real daddy. He's my, God, he's my dad. And, and also in this process, I've asked my Father in Heaven to give me His eyes and His perspective for my dad. And He did that. And we reconciled. And, and my dad was like this. There could have been an offense. Now, I like to talk about the offense and let's get some healing and be gone. It's not, it doesn't work like that with my dad. If he reconciles, 
he's actually saying, I forgive you, we forgive each other, without saying it. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's over. And, and if you're not used to that, and I don't like that, but that's just the way he was. And we have an incredible relationship. Ever since. It's been beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. He came out here. Renee, Renee put together a surprise birthday for me for my 50th, which was just a few weeks ago. <laughs> and surprised me. My dad and, and some other family members from the East Coast came. And it was in that time, he stayed at our house. And before he left, he told me, he said, Joe, I am so very proud of you. Now, that's the first time I've heard it from him. I was 50 years old. Now, I know some of you never heard that from your dad. Renee and I talked about it, and she said, how'd that make you feel? And I said, you know what? And I'm being honest. I, I try not to. I'm just going to be blunt and honest of how I felt, and you can take it however you want. I said, you know what? It, it was very, very nice of him to do that. It was. It was very, very nice. It just didn't make the impression on my heart like it would have when I was 12, 13, 14. And I said, especially now, because I've already crossed over. My God's my dad. He's already validated me. So then, whether my biological father ever does it, it, it didn't matter anymore. I'm not trying to be crude or, you know what I'm... Because once you get it from your heavenly father... Dear Lord, man. And that's where it brings all of us at that level playing field. Because whether you ever received it from your biological father, he might be gone now and you can never get it from him. But you can from him. Behold, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When you hear that or something similar to that, or just know in your heart that he has validated you as his son, you don't really need anything else. You really don't. It's nice. I don't want to. It's hard to talk about this without making it sound like, well, that was worthless. It wasn't like it was worthless. It was. It was very, very nice, and I'm very glad that I heard it come out of his mouth. It just didn't have that because I'd already had it. You know. But we've had a for I don't know what the last twenty years. 25 years, something? I don't, I'll have to sit down and think about all of this. We've had a wonderful relationship. He calls me all the time. Three times a week. I go out there once a year. Sometimes, you know, once every six or nine months to spend time with him. I love spending time with my dad. You know, when you have forgiveness and forgivenesses happen, nothing from the past is a hindrance or a barrier or comes between you any longer. And then you're able to stand up and talk about it because it's not, a, it's not an issue anymore. And it wasn't with my dad and I. And it was beautiful. So beautiful that we were, I was able to talk to him about the Lord. He was asking me questions. One day we're sitting there. He's sleeping. We're watching football and he fell asleep. He rises right up and he looks at me and goes, Joe, what's the difference between your church and the Catholic church? It was the most bizarre thing. It was like, Dad, weren't you sleeping? That's why I said, weren't you sleeping? I mean, what are you dreaming about? And we had a great conversation. 
And many of them like that. And two years ago, it was just him and I. We're sitting around. Actually, it's not a kitchen table. It's a bar-like thing they sit around in the kitchen. And I said, Dad, I want to talk to you. I mean, because the last probably five or six years, we thought he was going to die like any time because he's had so many different issues. And, and some of the family are like, okay, he's going to die this time. And the guy just keeps living. <laughs> it's like... That's why when they, you know, he goes, I just want to go to sleep. I'm like, well, okay, this could take nine months, you know, because <laughs> he just keeps on going. And um, so I had a, a deeper conversation with him and explained salvation and a born-again experience. And he's heard my testimony a couple different times. And the fact that when he woke up that one day and he asked the difference between the Catholic Church and ours, I shared my testimony with him again. And he looked at me and he goes, you never told me that. And I'm like, I have. But, you know, sometimes you're ready to hear it. Other times you can hear things, but you never really received them. You weren't listening. And so uh, I forgot to pray with him. I don't know. It's, you can only do whatever you can do, whatever the Lord is leading you to do. I don't know. I can't sit here and say 100% that he was born again. But I had to give it to the Lord. I would like to thank that. I didn't see any real definite change in his life, although as he aged, he got softer and softer and softer. And he talked more about death and forgiveness things uh, in the last couple years. So there was a trip. I'm going to go back a little bit. There was a trip Renee and I made to go visit him. My dad lived in New York. Then he moved to Delaware because you can't hardly retire in New York. He lived there for almost 50 years. He was only, he was like 86 years old by the time he retired. Um, he's worked out of the house most of the time. And so he moved to Delaware because it was much cheaper. And then he ended up moving to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania this, these last couple years. So we were out at, at Delaware you know, visiting him. And this was one of the times he was sick where we thought he was going to die. Like any day. I mean, he was so bad, we'd, I, we'd have to basically carry him places. And he was just like this. He's, and he, my dad could not shave. He grew a beard because he just was so weak. Well, five years later he dies, but he just kept on going. And I'm, we're laying in bed one night, and the Lord speaks to me, and he said, I want you to give your dad a tribute. I'm like, what? Now, some of you know me pretty good. I didn't know what the word tribute meant. I had an idea. I had to look it up. I said, you wanting me to give my... And he wanted me to do it while he's still alive. And I'm laying there. I'm like, oh, Lord, this is... Because of all the past, right? It's... it's I'm trying to think of some really... Because some of the things I told you happened after this tribute. I'm trying to think of some... What can I say? And I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this. Because I really can't think of anything positive to say. And he did. And the next day I started writing stuff down. And uh, one night, some of the family were there. We were having dinner. Dinner was over. And I got my list out. And I said, Dad, I've got something I want to tell you. 
And so I read this tribute to him. And I'm saying this not to tell you any about me, but what God can do. Because even if you're here and you have all negative thoughts about your parents or father, the Lord can bring back things and remind you. The time frame when God was calling me to preach, and I said, God, I can't do that. Because when I was younger, especially in high school, I was so afraid. Um, Pam and Renee knew me back then. I mean, I was quiet. People thought I was shy. I was shy, but I was quiet. I used to stumble a lot over my words. I didn't stutter necessarily, but it was close. And because of that, I just wouldn't talk very much in social settings. I would stay quiet. I could never get up in front of a group like this and speak. Matter of fact, when I was in New York in high school for English, we had to get up in front of the class and we had to demonstrate something, doing something. I thought, okay, I'll demonstrate how to wrap a Christmas gift and explain it. Time came, I just I couldn't do it. I took an F. So that's where I was with, with all of that. So, But what God did is he said, how, what did I use to draw you to me? I said, well, you use Jehovah's Witness material. <laughs> and he said, yep. He said, was everything in that material 100% accurate? I said, no. And as a good daddy, he said this. And neither will everything you say be 100% accurate. But I will take the what you do say and cause people to hear that by the Spirit. And I'll do a work in their life. And I said, okay, God, I can do that. Because if, you, if I need to be perfect, it's, it's every, I can't do it. I don't want to lead anybody astray in any way. So that set me free. And to be able to communicate. And so I'm asking the Lord. And that's why we have to be very careful to judge anybody. Regardless of what kind of denomination they attend now. Whether they're saved or not. Or what, what kind of wild and wacky beliefs they might have. Because God can penetrate through all of that. He's the owner of everything. He, he can use anything and does use everything to reach people. I remember when I had my outside journey about the Jehovah's Witness. When I had my motorcycle shop, I had a pastor work for me. He ran my parts department, and uh, he was much older than me at the time. He's he's passed away since. And a radio station here in town called and wanted to speak to the owner. And well, I was the owner, so I'm talking to him. They said we want to do a story on you. You got a great you know salvation testimony. We want to do a story on you and he said, so can you share with me your testimony? And as soon as I mentioned Jehovah's Witness, God used that. He said, oh, we can't put that on the air. And I said, how come? It's the truth. And he said, yeah, but our listeners, I said, then you don't want me. I'm not going to do it because it's the truth. That's what happened. And I never did. Come to find out, he was actually calling for the older guy, the, my parts, my employee, the parts man, that was a biker that had a great testimony too. He just assumed he was the owner since he was older, but he wasn't. But anyway, that's 
sometimes Christians for you. No, we don't want, you know, let's, let's just say you got born again. No, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to tell the story. Because God can share everything, anything. Okay, so I know I jumped around a little bit. I'm back having dinner. Uh, the Lord helped me. I wrote a bunch of things down. Some of you probably saw it on Facebook. I put it on Facebook. Um, but I, I would like to read it to you, if you don't mind. Because God can help you. Even if your father's passed away. And he can set you free in your heart. And he can heal any area. And then he can bring you completely and totally to him as your father. Your true biological father. Because it does say in Scripture, in 1 John, it says God's DNA, his sperm. The, the Greek word sperm is actually in the Bible and it says his sperm is on the inside of you. When you're born again, he literally becomes your daddy. It's not just something we sing about or talk about. It actually happens. Oh, let's see if I can make it through this. I said, Dad, fathers are children's first example of who God is. The love you have showed me has helped me in my understanding of God and how much He loves me. There are many things, Dad, that you have said or done that has left an impression on me that I will never forget. It wasn't only the big things, but often the small things you did that maybe you never realized that helped me become the man that I am today. I have always felt that you wanted to spend time with me. I want you to hear that because of the story I told you. In reality, I didn't always feel that way. But because of the healing, I did feel that way. Do you understand what I'm trying to communicate? I never felt like you had to spend time with me. This gave me value. You always encouraged me to pursue my passions, to choose a career that I would love, and to start a business and work for myself, which he never did, by the way. And then you helped me to accomplish it. You didn't push me to do what I thought you what I thought. You did not push me to do what you thought I should. And this gave me worth as an individual. When I was very young, you and I were in the water at a beach and I was on an air mattress and you had your hands on it playing with me in the waves. A big wave came and turned the mattress over and I tumbled around in the wave. I literally thought I was going to die. I didn't put that in here, but I was scared and I was. I was very scared. When I came up, you were smiling and giggling. And I knew everything was going to be okay because my dad was there. This gave me security. Another time you and I were on the boat. It was just he and I. He wanted to teach me skiing, water skiing. You were going to teach me to water ski. You connected the rope and had the skis ready. Then you told me to get in. Now, this was not in a lake. It was in the Great South Bay in New York. And it is, it is a black mud bottom. And it is disgusting. And I was very young, 
And I was always scared because you can't see what's floating around in there or swimming around in there. You just you cannot see it. And he made me get in the water. I said, you were stern. <laughs> and said, get in the water. He actually yelled. I got in. And you taught me how to water ski. And that was the beginning of enjoying a sport I loved very much and became pretty good at. And this gave me courage. And I water skied until I couldn't water ski anymore. Loved water skiing. Renee and I water skied, bought a ski boat. We water skied a lot. One time after church on a Sunday, we stopped in a convenience store. I went in with you. I stole a pack of gum. When you got home, we got home. Of course, I was chewing a piece. I didn't put that in here. When we got home, you found out that I stole it. You took me back to the store. Made me apologize to the clerk and give it back. And this gave me a sense of right and wrong. All the yard work, mowing, pulling weeds. This was before weed eaters. We had a gravel driveway. We had to rake the gravel driveway. Keeping my room clean, the bed made every day. My dad was in the military. I didn't put that in here, but he was in the military. I mean, my dad, um, how would you say this, Renee? He was a clean freak. My whole family over there, like he'd be standing there talking to you. And if he noticed a piece of lint on the carpet, he'd bend down and pick it up. That's just, and he made us keep things clean and organized like that. The bed made, turning out the light when I leave a room. Putting the tools back exactly where I got them. He quit doing that when he got older, by the way. I remember you telling me several times as we're pulling weeds and pushing a lawnmower around before it was self-propelled, raking the gravel and all the stuff you know, he said, just see it like it's exercise, like you're working out. You know, I still see it that way today. On occasion, you took me to work with you on Saturday, on a Saturday. He was a designer and one of the business he worked for was a zipper factory and he designed a machine that did the work of five different machines. So he would take me occasionally on a Saturday and um, they would have uh, like quality control boxes of zippers. You've got to go through them and separate the good from the bad. And he would set me there for hours. (laughs) I don't know my zippers anymore, but I did back then. (laughs) I remember once you sat me down at a bench in the zipper factory with two boxes of zippers and you had me separate the bad ones from the good ones. This gave me a discipline and a work ethic. After I was kicked out of high school, Renee and I were living together and I was uneducated, jobless, no direction in life, selling drugs to make a buck. You called me, I will never forget. When you asked me, what are you going to do with your life? And I didn't know how to answer. You said that I always loved motorcycles. How about going to school, learn how to repair them? It was you, Dad, that came to my rescue. And this gave me hope. There are many other things. You encouraged me to play football, a sport I love so much. 
And I'm sure it's played in heaven. <laughs> the only sport that's played in heaven. Um, <laughs> it was you that gave me a love for politics, and even today it has helped shape my worldview and even the sermons that I preach. I've watched you. I've seen you many times. How you interact with people when you do business. The tips that you give them. The gifts around the holidays. Your kindness, generosity, and giving heart. You always made holidays so special. The picking of a Christmas tree. The decorations of Valentine's cards with chocolates. The Easter baskets. I hate that word Easter, by the way. So many ways you demonstrated you cared and loved me. The indoor picnics with blankets on the living room floor, the tickling matches on the bed, the boat rides, the times fishing in the bay, camp outs on the beach, riding mini bikes, and those long trips to Missouri. Your humorous personality that can make me laugh so hard. So many countless things, Dad, that you said or did that has helped me become the man I am today. Most of all, Dad, I just enjoyed spending time with you. And you always made me feel like you enjoyed it too. As one generation succeeds another, what a man passes on to the next generation is very important. All of the many life lessons that I've learned from you, I am able to pass on to others. For all these things and so many more, I am will always be forever grateful. Dad, you helped me become the man I am today. I love you very much. Thank you for being you. Your son, Joe. One of the last things I want to say about that is this. I did not know this. But I had asked the Lord to help me write this. These are all of the things God did through my dad to reach me. And I didn't know that until later. That that's what the Lord was reminding me of. This letter is to my biological dad, but it's also to my Heavenly Father. And I'm really glad I had the chance to tell my dad face to face. And not just read it at his funeral. If you don't have that kind of a... Yeah, Elisa, go ahead. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I've never shared it like this. This is the, the first time. I've just shared aspects and different things of it. But really, I want to give glory to God. Because He took this piece of gutter trash and healed His heart. And I'm no longer gutter trash. And neither are you. No matter what's been done to you, what's happened to you, and if you've accepted Christ into your heart, you received Him and been born again, God is really your daddy. 
we can all quote John 3.16. But there's a problem with John 3.16. You know, I can always find a problem in stuff. I don't even always see the negative of stuff and find the problem. It's just, I don't know why. It comes naturally. I don't even have to work at it. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That word world it means cosmos. It's everything He's created. Not just people, but everything. He so loved the cosmos. What did He do? Because love does what it gives. He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever would believe on Him, receive Him. Here's the problem. It's really a simple problem with that passage. The problem is not in God so loved the world. The problem is so few have received that love. That's where the problem is. It's the receiving. It's not with God, it's with us because we're the receivers. For God so loved, He gave and He gave everything. So therefore, why is not everybody saved, born again? It's in the receiving. It's in the receiving. That's all it is. That's how simple this really is. It's just in receiving. I want to pray for you before we leave. Just allow the Holy Spirit to, to say and do whatever He wants to say and do in your heart. Maybe this today didn't touch you in any way. It doesn't apply to your heart. But you know what? I'm willing to, to say it if it's just one person. So, Father, thank You so much for being not just a God and a Lord and a King that over a kingdom, a creator of the whole cosmos and planets and solar systems that we haven't even discovered yet. But being the lover of our soul. Being a touchable daddy. One that wants to have a special and unique encounter with every human being over the ages. Even the eight plus billion people on the planet today. That you want, and those in this room right now, Holy Spirit, speak, move among our hearts. I ask that you would validate. If there be one here that's never been valid, validated by their Heavenly Father, that they would be validated today. That it would be settled in their hearts. They would know who they are and how much you love and care and the affection that you have for them. I don't really even understand all that, God. I just know that it, it just changes us when that happens. It gives us every it gives us self-worth and value. It does things on the inside of us that we could never do with drugs and, and counseling and learning. It does just by receiving it. So Father, I pray that this congregation and those that rep the families they represent, that God, they would just receive. They wouldn't base it on anything that they've done or haven't done. That they would just receive your love. That love that only you can give. That validation that only you can give. The value and self-worth that only you can impart. Thank you for your forgiveness and your redemption. 
God, I pray that we would never see you the same again. As just a God. Just a Lord. But Papa. Daddy. Whatever affectionate name. See, for me, affection is dad. I even told my dad, anybody can be a father. But not everybody's a dad. So that word dad to me is affectionate. That's why I use it. But whatever affectionate word you have for him, use that. Use that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for setting us free. It's not just a song we sing. It's not just something we confess. We are truly free. We're free from ourselves. Free from those things that hinder and bind our thought life and control the way we think about ourselves. Jesus said the greatest commandment is what? Love God with all of your heart, your mind, your strength. Then he said the second is just like it. What is that? Love your neighbor as yourself. I'll never forget one day I was reading that passage. I've read it hundreds of times. And that what and this was in the, the, the context of when God was dealing with my heart and all of this. It was in yourself, as yourself just leaped off the page and just slapped me on both sides of the face. It just grasped my attention. Love others as myself. It hit me. See, I find the problem. There was a problem. There was a problem I couldn't love others. You know what the problem was? Because I didn't love myself. See, a lot of Christians say, oh, that's pride, that's pride. No, God says don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. doesn't say don't think highly of yourself. Just don't think more than you should. But think highly of yourself. Because He does. And I want to think about myself and you just like He does. No different. Amen? Love you guys. Praise God we're getting some rain. Get out there and get wet as you're going, getting in your car. Water's good.